listening to the Michael Anthony Bible Teaching Podcast. This episode covers the book of Acts, how Christians live. You can enjoy more messages like this with the free Courage Matters app available in your app store. If you'd like to request Michael for an interview, guest appearance, or as a keynote speaker for your event, click the invite tab on the Courage Matters app or on couragematters.com. There are two things you should always be in the process of asking God to develop in your life. The first is courage. You should be asking God to develop courage, to increase your courage for him in your life. Courage is important, especially in these days where cowardice seems to be ruling and reigning the day. Everybody's afraid. Everybody's afraid to stand up and speak out for Jesus, afraid to live for Christ today. That's why one of the most important things you can do is to ask God, God, help me to be bold for you. God, help me to be courageous for you. All right? Second thing you need to be asking God to continually develop in your life is selflessness. Selflessness. How many of us understand and realize that selfishness is what happens when we're on autopilot? This world that's trying to press us into its mold, nobody needs to teach us how to be selfish. We are automatically wired to think about me, myself, and I. But contrary to that, counter, the antidote for selfishness is selflessness, and it comes courtesy of the filling with the Holy Spirit. How do you know whether or not you're filled with the Holy Spirit? You will live a Christ-centered, God-honoring life. The greatest need in your life is that you be spirit-filled. Stop being afraid of the phrase spirit-filled. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to be led by the Holy Spirit. And you need to know the genuine, real, authentic characteristics of being spirit-filled and spirit-led. There have been all kinds of abuses in the name of the Holy Spirit. I am not going to allow the abuses... And the mess ups, how things have been done in the name of God that have very little to do with God. I am not going to allow those mistakes, those mess ups to keep me from being genuinely filled with the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit and neither should you. Don't let somebody else's mix ups and mess ups and perversions Keep you from the genuine, real filling with the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need the infilling with the Holy Spirit to live a victorious Christian life. And don't let anybody convince you otherwise. Don't let this world convince you of it. Don't let yourself convince you of it. You might be a smart person. You might be a very good-looking person. I'm looking at a lot of good-looking people right now. You might be good-looking. You might be very... Amen, that's right. You might be good looking, you might be intelligent, you might have known Jesus for a very long time. It might be many years since you first gave your life to Christ. Don't confuse the number of years that have transpired from the time you first gave your life to Christ with automatically adding up to spiritual maturity. Just because you've known Jesus for X number of years, or it's been so many years since you first gave your life to Christ, it does not equal automatically spiritual maturity. There are many people who you will encounter in the course of your life who have not known Jesus for a very long time, and yet they seem to be spiritual dynamos for Jesus. And it seems like they've been walking with Jesus for a lot longer than they actually have. Why? Because they're putting into practice what they're seeing in the Word of God. They're submitting themselves to the Word of God. Don't confuse familiarity with the Word of God 
with a lifestyle in keeping with surrender to the word of God. It is the putting into practice of God's word that will open the door to the power of the Holy Spirit flowing in your life. You need to be led by the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, when you are led by the Holy Spirit, you are a person who is spiritually mature, spiritually mature. Don't forget that the aim of God, the objective of God in your life is to make you more like Jesus Christ in character. Christ-like character is the aim, the objective of the Holy Spirit. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, when you're led by the Holy Spirit, you will give great glory to Jesus Christ. You will behave in a manner that draws attention to Jesus in the workplace, in your neighborhood, in your family, and in the church. In the church, one of the great needs we have in the body of Christ is for the movement of the Holy Spirit among God's people. We cannot assume that just because a group of people who have been saved bought by the blood of Jesus, are gathering together, that those people are going to be characterized, characterized by the infilling and the leading of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I think we've assumed that for so long, we take a lot for granted that we should not take for granted. You need the filling with the Holy Spirit, so do I. You need to be led by the Holy Spirit, so do I. You need to understand what are the characteristics of a Spirit-filled, Spirit-led life. How do I know whether or not I'm led by the Spirit of God? How do I know whether or not I'm really filled with the Holy Spirit? We go no further than the Word of God, Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, turn with me in our Father's Word, and we will see, once again, some of the traits, the characteristics, the hallmarks of what an individual and what a group of individuals look like when they are truly filled with the Holy Spirit, truly led by the Holy Spirit. Here it is in Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 23. When they were released, who's they? When who was released? Peter and John. See, they've been brought before some of the leaders of the nation of Israel. They've spent a night in prison, and now they're released from prison, and here's what they are doing. What were they in prison for? What were they on trial for? For nothing other than their boldness, their courage in giving testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ. They were teaching and preaching about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, preaching and teaching the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and the exclusivity of salvation in the name of Jesus. They're unapologetically preaching and teaching. They were thrown in prison. They were really persecuted in a way that we can't quite understand in the United States of America. We haven't seen anything yet when it comes to this kind of persecution. And we need to understand in the 21st century that if this is the way they behaved in the first century when they faced persecution, it's a great thing for us to remember in the 21st century, as we are marching toward increasing persecution against those of us who want to unapologetically stand up and speak out about the name, the reputation, the ministry of Jesus Christ. He is still the only name given to you and to me under heaven, given by Almighty God, by whom we must be saved. So stop apologizing for the truth. You need to have the filling with the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to be led by the Holy Spirit. This is what the filling with the Holy Spirit looks like. This is what your life will look like. God will transform you from being a coward. You don't believe me? Fix your eyes very clearly on me right now. 
One of the rare opportunities when I will tell you to do that. Take a good look at me from head to toe. That's right, you're saying, I ain't too impressed with this guy. (laughs) When you are filled with the Holy Spirit and truly led by the Holy Spirit, you will say things you otherwise would not say. You will do things you otherwise would not do. You will become somebody you otherwise would not be. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will be filled with courage to speak the truth to people who are believing lies. A lot of lies circulating these days about Jesus. A lot of lies circulating these days about the Bible. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, you will honor Jesus and you will live the kind of life that we see Peter and John and the apostles and the early church in the first century living. And we need to remember that today in the 21st century. When they were released, verse 23, Acts chapter four, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Basically, what did they say to them? Sit down, shut up, stop preaching and teaching about this Jesus. They reported what they had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, they are praying. They're being intimate with God. And as they're praying, the byproduct of a life of intimacy with God is supernatural courage. Don't ever forget it. When you walk with God, the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of boldness, the spirit that we're seeing manifest in Peter and John and the apostles in the early church in the first century, still relevant, still practical, still powerful, still God in the 21st century. When you walk with God, when you are a man, a woman, a boy, a girl, a family, a church, when you make intimacy with God your number one priority, God has a way of having that overflow into every area of our lives. And one of the things that happens in your life, one of the things that happens in the life of anybody, regardless of what your past is, if you are a person who is intimate with God, if you are a person of prayer, which is the way primarily we manifest dependence upon God, how do you know whether or not you're dependent upon God? Look at your prayer life. Prayer is the fundamental way that we demonstrate dependence upon God. You've got a problem in your marriage, you need to call out to God. You've got a problem in your business, you need to call out to God. You've got a problem in the church, you need to call out to God. Got a problem in politics, you need to call out to God. A problem in whatever it might be, a relationship problem, call out to God. Give God the opportunity to manifest himself in the midst of whatever that problem is because Jesus is still the answer. Jesus is still the answer. When you are a man, woman, boy, or girl who's intimate with God, God has a way of changing your life, changing sometimes the circumstances. Sometimes God changes us, and he doesn't change the circumstances. But notice that everything that we see that happens after, everything that we see that happens after verse 24 happens in a way that's intertwined with their intimacy and their dependence upon God as demonstrated through prayer. Verse 24, when they heard it, they lifted their voices together, together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, 
who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, this is Psalm 2, verses 1 and 2, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Wow. How differently we tend to behave today where these guys were facing the reality of the loss of life for nothing other than being faithful to Jesus. And they don't back down. They stand up and they speak out and they say, Lord, give us the ability to continue to stand with boldness, to stand up and speak out in this day and age where we are being told literally to sit down and shut up. They say, no, Lord, we're coming before you. We, we ask you to give us the boldness to continue to speak your truth. How different that is today in this day and age in which we live where tolerance is now king. Everything is about getting along together and not rocking the boat. Does it look to you like Peter and John are concerned about whether or not they rock the boat and cause a few feathers to get ruffled in the lives of people? Or does it not look to you as it looks to me, as it looks to anybody who's really open to the truth, like these guys are consumed and concerned with the glory of Jesus Christ. They only care about the reputation of Jesus. They know with absolute certainty that even these leaders of the nation of Israel, apart from Jesus, they're not leading the people where the people needed to be led. There's no hope. There's no help apart from Jesus. And would you please repent if you've been apologizing for Jesus? In the political world, in the church world, in your career world, in your neighborhood world, wherever you might go, Jesus is the answer. And you need courage. You need boldness to be able to represent Jesus well wherever he might send you. And you know where that courage comes from? You know where that boldness comes from? It comes through the filling with the Holy Spirit. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, you will point people to Jesus. You will make God-honoring, Christ-centered decisions, and people will stand up and take notice because you're standing up and speaking out with supernatural courage, supernatural power. You might say to yourself, but I don't know how. No kidding but I don't have the power. No kidding. If you had the power, God wouldn't have given you the spirit of power, the Holy Spirit. If you had the courage and you had the power, you wouldn't need the Holy Spirit to stand up and speak out. You won't do it on your own. I won't do it on my own. But when we understand and embrace unapologetically the identity of Jesus, his works, his identity, his ministry, the reality of the death, burial, resurrection, the ascension. When we get really serious about that, we begin to pray and we ask God, Lord, give me boldness. That's what we need today. We need courage. We need boldness. Lord Jesus, help me to speak the truth and love to people who are not very loving, to people who don't know the truth. 
When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, when you're led by the Holy Spirit, you will honor Jesus above yourself, me, myself, and I. Me, myself, and I. We often give in to the temptation because our society is pressing us into this mold. It's on steroids, it's on overdrive, but we don't even realize how deeply we have been impacted by the me, myself, and I culture that has been impregnated into the fabric of every aspect of life. It is not about you. It is not about me. It is about the kingdom agenda of Almighty God and the person and the works of Jesus. And the way that we stand up and speak out for Jesus is through the Holy Spirit, the filling with the Holy Spirit that results in the leading with the Holy Spirit, surrendering to God and asking God, God, use me. God, move through me. God, enable me. I can't do this on my own. They recognize this, Lord, help us. Give us boldness to continue to do what we just did last night, what we just did yesterday. Lord, these people need to know the truth and the only way they're going to hear the truth is through the vessel, the instrument of truth. Have you ever stopped to think about this? You are at the workplace when you're meeting a client, when you're meeting a customer, when you're in the neighborhood, when you're in your family situation, when you're in the school system, wherever you are, you are a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. You represent somebody other than me, myself, and I. God is giving you divine opportunities. He's going to do it this week. He's going to put you in places where it's very dark, very distasteful situations. That's why Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. God puts us in situations and scenarios to change a distasteful situation and to make it more tasteful by pointing people to Christ, by representing him well. God puts us in dark situations where there needs to be a light shine. It's the light of Christ, courtesy of your life. You may be the only representation of Jesus Christ that people at your workplace will ever see. You say, oh, I'm a sorry excuse, but praise God for the power of the Holy Spirit to transform us into instruments of bold, humble courage filled with the Holy Spirit to point people to the saving knowledge, the salvation that is found in Jesus alone. And not just the salvation for the forgiveness of sin, but also the kind of a lifestyle that would result in a life of sin where there's no repentance. God sent you where he placed you through the courtesy of the filling with the Holy Spirit. Shine the light of Jesus well. Let the Spirit of God fill you up. Don't back down. Don't let yourself to cower and to be put into a corner. Ask God to enable you to be bold and courageous. The apostles did, and we're going to look here at what happened as a result of them asking for Boldness. Remember, when you ask God to give you boldness to represent Jesus well, it is a prayer after the very heart of God. That's a prayer you don't have to scratch your head and wonder. I wonder if that's a prayer in keeping with the will of God. No, that is in keeping with the will of God. Whatever we ask, he hears us. Whatever we ask according to his will, he gives us. First John makes that very clear. And when you ask God, God, help me to be courageous. Help me to be bold. Help me to unapologetically declare your truth and embody the truth by how I live. Whether or not I say anything, 
Whether or not I say anything with my mouth, help me to speak the truth in love with my actions, with my behavior. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, when you're led by the Holy Spirit, you will point people to Jesus. And one of the things we see the apostles doing and the early church doing here in the first century is something we need to do in the 21st century, asking God for boldness so that we don't back down, so we don't sit down and shut up. The world needs people like you, people like me, who are walking in humble courage, who have the truth about Jesus, who are living the truth about Jesus. Don't forget that while you're preaching to other people, you've got to be manifesting it yourself. The world needs your witness for Christ, needs my witness for Christ. People might never enter into a church building. In fact, millennials are teaching us that they're turned off by institutionalized religion. Many of us who are not millennials turned off by institutionalized religion, but people need to be turned on to Jesus. They need to be encouraged that Jesus never changes And our churches need a revolution, a revolution of courage, revolution of humility, courtesy of the filling with the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine what God will continue to do? For some of us, for the very first time, this might be news to us, what God will continue to do, what God will begin to do if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, if you become bold for Christ, if you become selfless for Jesus Christ. It's amazing what we see happening here. Look at verse 28. Do whatever you, they did whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Verse 29, and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And now the third time, Peter is one of these individuals in this crowd. For the third time, this happens to to Peter, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will be courageous for Christ. You'll be bold for Christ. Peter, this is now the third time that the Bible says in Acts chapter 4, the third time in the book of Acts where now we see Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, how can that be? Peter came to understand something that I've come to understand, that's something, something that you need to understand. I have holes in my life, and those holes in my life, they cause me to leak. The me, myself, and I focus in my life about money, about my use of time, about the things that I, I think are important that need to be important in my life that really aren't important in light of what's important for the glory of God and the agenda of Jesus. Those things tend to diminish the powerful work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I don't know how God does it. I don't entirely understand why God does it when we consider the fact that he could easily overpower any of us on our best days. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman, and he waits for us to give him permission to fill us. He waits. He's waiting for you to pray this kind of prayer that the apostles prayed. Now, Lord, thank you for what you've done. But Lord, help us not to back down. Help us to stand up and speak out. Not like a bull in a china shop. Don't let anybody tell you, I'll just fill with the Holy Spirit. That's why I can't control what I'm saying. No, 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 no. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you honor Jesus Christ.
You look out for the needs of Jesus Christ. And you point people to Jesus, not away from Jesus. The great need today in the body of Christ in your life and in mine, the great need in our nation is for the filling with the Holy Spirit, for God's people to be truly led by the Holy Spirit. Then we will stand up and speak out. With our lifestyles, with our words, we will point people to Jesus. No matter what world it might be in, political world, job world, neighborhood world, family world, relationships, no matter what it is, you will stand up and speak out for the truth. You might say to yourself, well, political world, uh, I can't mix religion with politics. Listen, unless you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you won't bring the agenda of Jesus into the political world. And that is desperately needed today. You might have heard it said, we've all heard it said, well, you can't legislate morality. Yes, you can. All legislation is an attempt to impose somebody's morality on everybody. All legislation. That's what it is by definition. The question is, whose morality will be imposed upon people? The morality that honors Jesus, that is biblical morality, or a morality that is contrary to the will, plan, purpose, and glory of God? That's what it comes down to. That's why Sharia law better matter to you, Christian. It should matter to us as Christians because Sharia law is not... God-honoring, Christ-centered teaching. It is contrary to that. And you should care, I should care, about whether or not the Constitution is followed or subverted and overlooked and compromised because the Constitution recognizes our God-given unalienable rights given to us by our Creator. Remember, the Constitution does not give us those rights. It recognizes those rights that are given to us by Almighty God. And that's one of the things that makes America a beautiful place to live. Unlike many of the other countries of the world, expressly stated And other countries of the world have followed, some of them have followed what's in our Constitution by making their Constitution reflect our Constitution, these unalienable rights given to us by our Creator. The Constitution does not give us those rights. It recognizes those rights that are given to us by Almighty God. And you better care about them as a Christian. You need to care about them as a Christian because if we ignore our freedoms, they will go away. We have been given a sacred blessed privilege living in the United States of America. All legislation is an attempt to impose somebody's morality on everybody. It just comes down to whether or not that morality is the morality of Christ or the morality of something else, of somebody else, whether it honors Jesus, whether it is the truth, or whether it's a falsehood. Be careful that you don't let yourself sit down and shut up in this world of intolerance in the name of tolerance. No, you need boldness. I need boldness. We need boldness. We need the filling with the Holy Spirit to serve Jesus unapologetically. People need to hear the truth and they need to hear it out of your mouth. They need to see it out of your life and it'll come out of your mouth and it'll be manifest in your life when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. When you're led by the Holy Spirit, you will live a God-honoring, Christ-centered life. Look with me at Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two, the apostle Paul. Philippians has been known as the Christian's joy manual, which is so ironic and so like the Holy Spirit, so like God, because Paul wrote this joy manual, the book of Philippians, while he was in prison. How do you overflow with gladness and happiness and joy when you're in prison? You think, hey, wait a second. You read the book of Acts, we'll get there. We'll get there. 
God was doing extraordinary miracles through the Apostle Paul. Extraordinary miracles. Laying handkerchiefs on him and then laying those handkerchiefs on sick people and they were healed. That kind of extraordinary things. Well, how does he end up in prison? How can he glorify God if he's in prison called to preach the gospel, called to plant churches, an apostle as one abnormally born called the 13th apostle, the apostle Paul. And here he is in prison writing a joy manual about how to be happy in Jesus. How to be happy in Jesus, that doesn't compute when you're in jail. Because so much of what we've allowed ourselves to believe is that my happiness is based on the kind of clothing I can buy. My happiness is based on the kind of car I can drive. My happiness is based on the kind of house that I live in or the kind of house I wish I had or the kind of marriage I had or the kind of relationship I have with. It just goes on and 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 on. We believe the lie that happiness is based on things and circumstances. Happiness for the Christ follower is based on the person and the works of Jesus. And Paul teaches us that through the book of Philippians that while he was in prison, he writes a handbook on how to be filled with joy. Another byproduct of the filling with the Holy Spirit. And what does he say in Philippians chapter 2? He says this, beginning in verse 19, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests and not those of Jesus Christ. Wow. They all seek their own interests and not those of Jesus Christ. You know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Here we are 2,000 years after the fact, and it seems to me when we look around, it seems like everybody's interested in me, myself, and I, even in the church. Can I be honest about that, or would you like me to lie in church? Even in God's house, in the church, that me, myself, and I aspect of the culture coupled with the sinful nature. See, we have three enemies, not one. The world, the flesh, and the devil. And all three of those are warring against your soul. Don't you mistake it. It is a war that we are in the midst of. We are at war against the world, trying to press us into its way of thinking. We are at war against our own flesh. We are at war against the devil, and all three of those things are in cahoots together. There's a conspiracy going on where the world, the flesh, and the devil are trying to get you to prioritize what you should not prioritize, me, myself, and I. The Holy Spirit, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, when we're led with the Holy Spirit, we look after the interests of Jesus Christ. This is what led Paul to say, for all of them, they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we look out for the interests of Jesus Christ, not our own. Not our own. And that's why we're being honest. Let's talk for a moment about that God told me to do it myth. God told me to do this myth. Three of the acceptable yet unacceptable areas where people use the God told me to do it myth, the God excuse that we need to stop using. The way we end relationships, the way we leave a ministry, and the way we leave a church. Maybe you've heard it, I've heard it. Maybe you've been tempted to use it. Well, I think God is just calling me 
to leave. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't sometimes call you to leave. Do not misunderstand what I'm saying. There are times when God does call people to leave. But whenever God calls somebody to leave, either a relationship or a ministry or a church, God, under the leading of the Holy Spirit, under the leading of the Holy Spirit, enables that individual to do it with grace and tact and selflessness looking out for the interests of Jesus Christ. Ain't nobody got time for self-centered excuses that sound spiritual, that are satanic, that are fleshly, that are carnal. When you leave a ministry, when you leave a church, when you leave a relationship, you do it in a way that looks out for the interests of Jesus Christ. If I do it this way, will it honor Jesus? If I do it this way, will it honor people? Or will it be something I'm just spiritualizing so that nobody can question me? You know, you you pull the God card out. God told me to do it. Oh, okay. End of discussion. How do we know whether God told you to do it? Very simple. Let's take this plane that's been circulating at 50,000 feet. Let's land it. Let's get it onto the tarmac. How do you know whether or not God really told you to do it? By whether or not it really benefits the reputation and the agenda of Jesus. By whether or not it hurts people who are left behind or it considers them better than yourself. By the way, Philippians chapter 2, consider others better than yourself. That's where that's written right here in the joy manual. See, I've got a question that you can ask yourself. It's a question that you need to ask that will help you understand, am I being filled with the Holy Spirit if I do this? Am I being led by the Holy Spirit if I do this? And it's a question that you need to ask, did God really tell me to do it? Did God really tell me to do it? Or am I using God as an excuse for my own carnality to protect myself, me, myself, and I? Did God really tell me to do it? Now, that might be a hard question to remember. That's okay. I created an acronym that's going to help you remember that question, okay? You write it down. This will help you remember this question. D-G-R-T-M-T-D-I. You write that down. D-G-R-T-M-T-D-I. D-G-R, did God really? T-M-T-D-I. Tell me to do it. D-G-R-T-M-T-D-I. Did God really tell me to do it? Or are you pulling out the God card? Are you pulling out an excuse for what really should be a spirit-filled, spirit-led life that points people to Christ and considers others better than yourself? This is taught throughout the scripture. Throughout the Bible, it's taught from Genesis all the way through Revelation. The primary way that we manifest, that we demonstrate love for God is by how we treat people. And so when somebody says, God told me to do this, and they leave a ministry abruptly, and everybody's left with picking up the pieces, or they leave a church abruptly, and they say, God told me to do that. Listen, I'm so sick and tired, and you should be too. More importantly, I think God is, if he could possibly be sick, which he can't be. But how it must grieve the Holy Spirit, that is biblical. The idea is that we can grieve the Holy Spirit is when we bring God into something that he actually had very little to do with. If God is filling you, if God is leading you, you will consider others better than yourself and you will look out for the interests of Jesus Christ, not just yourself. Please don't pull out the God card and bring the Holy Spirit into something that he actually had very little to do with. 
If you don't care about other people and your decision negatively affects other people because uh, it's done in haste, it's done to protect yourself, it's done because of me, myself, and I, please don't say that the Holy Spirit led you to do that. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we are filled with courage, boldness, to do what's right, to speak the truth, and to live in a fundamentally different way that puts Jesus in the driver's seat, that points people to Jesus and causes people to, oh, wow, look at that. No mere mortal does that. People want to take a second look. Wow. That doesn't smack of me, myself, and I. That smacks of selflessness. Doesn't look like you're concerned about yourself. How is it that you could be concerned about other people when you had every opportunity to concern yourself with yourself? It's not rocket science. It's not a mystery. It's not complicated. How do you know whether or not you're filled with the Holy Spirit? By whether or not your life revolves around the person and the agenda of Jesus. Whether you're looking out for your own interests or whether you're looking out for the interests of Jesus Christ. It's not complicated. Living a life of courage that gives testimony to Jesus and living a life that is selfless, that accommodates the kingdom purpose, the kingdom agenda of God, those are the characteristics of whether or not you're filled with the Holy Spirit. How do you know whether a church is filled with the Holy Spirit, whether a home group is filled with the Holy Spirit, whether a family is filled with the Holy Spirit? Look no further than the selflessness of the people in that group. Are the people selfless? Are the people courageous? How do I know that? Don't take my word for it. Look at Acts chapter four. Acts chapter four, here it is. After they prayed these things, look at verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. That's selflessness had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Would have been a great opportunity for them to back off. What are they continuing to preach? The resurrection of Jesus. And unlike Mormonism, where Joseph Smith, one individual, is giving the testimony that God told him this, there are 12 apostles giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Unlike Islam, where it's Muhammad, the alleged prophet, saying that he has the words of God and the way of God, these are 12 individuals continuing to give testimony to something that would have been unbelievable. If you want to establish a world religion, at least establish it on stuff that's believable. And do it with one person, not multiple people, where the story could be confused. But here you have 12 individuals who are not backing down on the reality of the resurrection. Listen, this Jesus stuff is true. All 12 of us are bearing witness to the reality that Jesus was dead, crucified on a cross, put in a tomb. That tomb was sealed. And on the third day, he rose again in fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures. And we're not backing down from that. God give us courage to continue to preach the truth even though it means we might be put in prison or face worse. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you bear testimony to Jesus. This book, the Bible, is such a book that man couldn't write if he would, wouldn't write if he could. You would not try to establish a world religion based on hearsay, based on something that could have been easily refuted if it was refutable, but it was not refutable. 
Because the resurrection was historical fact that these guys, if it wasn't historically true, they had every opportunity to back down. They could have consulted together and we could have had the wheels come off the bus. Hey, listen, Thomas could have said, you know what, I'm having a hard time. And Thomas did have a hard time in the beginning, didn't he? But he came to understand after seeing the risen, resurrected Jesus for a number of days, for 40 days since the resurrection to the ascension, Jesus appeared to the apostles and gave many convincing proofs, including eating food, that he was still alive. They could have sat down together and said, hey, listen, you know what? All this other stuff about Jesus, the crucifixion, the teachings of Jesus, morally upright teaching, oh, I got no problem with that. But the resurrection, hey, it's really not true, guys. We don't see them fudging on that. We don't see them moving on it. And that was the first century. We live in the 21st century. Stop apologizing for it. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be courageous. We need to be selfless. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we will be filled with the same spirit that we see here filling the apostles that enabled them to stand up and speak out when they were being told, sit down, shut up. The only thing that's changed between the first century and the 21st century is the amount of time. Jesus hasn't changed. Our story hasn't changed. The historic facts haven't changed. And the Spirit of God has not changed. You have everything you need to go into the workplace this week and to repent before God if you need to. The beauty is that the mercies of the Lord are new every morning. You have everything you need to go into work this week and to represent Jesus well with boldness and selflessness. You have everything you need to go to a family gathering today or this week and to demonstrate courage and selflessness in the midst of that circumstance. Why? Because God, God has given you the very same spirit who was filling up the apostles and overflowing with boldness and selflessness, that's what's at your disposal as well as a follower of Jesus Christ. You have the spirit of boldness. You have the spirit of selflessness. And look what it says, verse 32, they had everything in common and with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. Look at the order here of the Holy Spirit. There's no confusion. There's great order. Laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, so we're getting the introduction of Barnabas, the, the sidekick to the apostle Paul when he comes onto the picture, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. We see that when the Spirit of God is moving, there's not only courage to stand up and speak for Jesus, there's also humility as a result of dependence upon God, praying the place where they were praying was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they were selfless. They were selling their possessions, sharing their possessions so much so that there was no needy person among them selling houses, selling fields, what might happen in your life? What might happen in this church, in your church, if you're listening by podcast or radio? What might happen in your life if you were filled with the Holy Spirit? It's not rocket science. You will be courageous. You will be bold. You will be selfless. It will no longer be about me, myself, and I. It will be about the king and the kingdom. You will begin to look out for the interests, not of yourself, but for the interests of Jesus Christ.
It's a beautiful, amazing, supernatural thing that is now happening in the church where the Spirit of God is being poured out and occasion after occasion after occasion, this guy's being filled. These people are being filled. Filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. They're speaking up. They're standing up. They're asking God, Lord, don't let us shrink back. Pour out more of yourself. And the Holy Spirit, the Lord seems to be happy with that because the place where they were praying was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit repeatedly again and again and again and again. And you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is still the answer. He's still the way, the truth, and the life. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll be led by the Holy Spirit. You will live a Christ-centered, God-honoring life. This is why Acts chapter four is recorded for us so that we get an understanding of what does the church look like when her members are filled with the Holy Spirit. This is what the church looks like. Now in our next time together, we're gonna see that a fly happens to show up and land in the ointment. In Acts chapter five, a fly comes along and lands in the ointment. You all come back now, you hear, and we'll talk about that fly in the ointment. In the meantime, It's a good God-honoring thing to ask the Lord, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to be bold and help me to be selfless to build your kingdom for your glory and for your honor. You've been listening to the Michael Anthony Bible Teaching Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, you'll love Michael Anthony's Courage Matters Podcast, where he focuses on leadership, relationships, and world events. You can also invite Michael for an interview, guest appearance, or as a keynote speaker for your event. To learn more, visit CourageMatters.com or download the free Courage Matters app. In the meantime, keep looking up. There's no place else worth looking.